Hello, everybody. This is Steve Politi from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome back to our Rutgers podcast. We have a name for it. We can't use it yet. There are lawyers involved. I'm joined, as always, <laughs> by Keith Sargent and James Cratch, and this is a special, a special podcast, like when they have those a special episode of today's show, uh, because we want to talk about what happened over the weekend. It was one of the more uh, significant moments in Rutgers sports history, a Dual two wrestlers winning national championships. You know their names by now: Nick Suriano, Anthony Ashnold. And you know, I was thinking about this today, fellas. And you know, in addition to just being, you know, a, a, a major milestone, a major accomplishment for the athletic department, it really just felt like a much needed shot in the arm for the entire for the entire fan base, for the entire staff at the at, in Rutgers athletics. Uh, you know, they've taken so many lumps since joining the Big Ten. You know, to have this moment to achieve something on a national stage, to have it happen dramatically, to have, you know, the fan base really engaged uh, about it. You know, it really felt like it was something that uh, was important on a lot of levels. Yeah, I, I think I go back to when I was uh, in Pittsburgh in the arena corridor with Pat Hobbs interviewing him. I said, you know, Pat, this is not. You're not talking about a moment anymore or potential. And he goes, James, we have national champions. And I think that kind of sums it up. Nice. Rutgers finally has tangible hardware. They have trophies. They have, uh, you know, I assume banners are going to hang in the rack. They have championships now. They have two national champions. And they've kind of have a program that has proven that the blueprint that they've talked about forever can be implemented and, and reach success. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and they, yeah, they, they had waited so long for that too, Sarge. Right? I mean, that that's part of that's part of what makes it makes it huge. Yeah, it, it almost became a running joke on the beat uh, that you know Kyle Flood, you know, in, in 2014, 2015 would talk about the Lambert Cup. Remember that? Wait, you know? almost, almost became a running joke. <laughs> yeah, it became a running joke. I think, yeah. it, I think it achieved running joke status. Okay, go no, ahead. No, but, but but then you go inside the Hale Center and you you have bowl trophies that you know are are. Let's be honest. They they haven't won a trophy from a major bowl yet. Um, and that's from football, uh, men's basketball. The other marquee marquee sport hasn't been you know to the NCAA tournament since 1991. Um, you know, their the only real glory was you know was you know 1976. So so you know when you're talking about like the lack of uh, success, you know at least on the national stage, you know there really isn't any. And now they do. Now they have it. All right, so Cratch, you were there, did a great job covering it. Um, I just put put me in the put me in the arena for a minute. Now this this is what kind of fascinated me watching it from afar. You know, you have these two wrestlers; they're going to go for the the crowning achievement of their of their athletic lives. What forty five minutes apart? The crowds that I mean, were, <laughs> I just get, set the scene for me. Were they watching each other? Were, were, were the, were, what was the crowd like? I mean, give, give me paint me a picture here. I mean, the the crowd is tremendous. If you've never been to the NCAA Championships of Wrestling, I, I'm not just saying this because it's what I, I – it's better than the Super Bowl. I mean, it is the most dynamic sporting event I have ever attended. Now, I haven't done Olympics. I haven't done World Series. It's it's tremendous. I mean, the energy, the, you know, the anticipation, especially Saturday night in the finals, it, it's just like a powder keg ready to explode. So they started the – the final round that every year they, you know, when you go into the New Jersey state tournament, there's typically for the most part, they, they have a random draw. They, they pick a weight out of a hat or 
or however they do it, and they start it that way. So then you start whatever weight that is, and you go up, and then, you know back around again. They kind of engineered this for TV, so they started at heavyweight, which was Anthony Cassar from Montgomery, which uh, was another incredible story. Maybe we can touch on later. But they wanted to close the night out with Bo Nickel, who's just you know he's going to dominate his kid. But he's a dynamic, you know, three-time national champ from Penn State, closing out his career. So that means that, and this has kind of been a running joke around the Rutgers program. Anthony and Nick both got to the final. Like, how is the draw going to? be determined to see who had the chance to be the first. So obviously they're close in the weight class, you know, this one weight between them. So the draw happens, they're going at 85, which means Nick's up first. And to answer your question, Steve, Anthony was kind of in the tunnel, but he's got to prepare for his match. I mean, he's up pretty sure. soon after. Yeah. So I my, my understanding is that Nick after he won, was in the tunnel with, I, I believe, Joe Pollard, maybe some of his teammates watching on TV, kind of peeking through the curtain. But my guess is that Anthony w- w- was watching, but at the same time, he's got to prepare for what he's got to do. So, yeah, it was just a, an incredible moment. You know, kind of like it, the night was the greatest night in Rutgers wrestling history, but it all jammed into an hour, basically. Where, let's be honest. I mean, it's not hyperbole. The program changed forever in, in that hour in Pittsburgh. And, Steve, I, I want to say this. Uh, because I'm watching it on, you know, on my couch, uh, as you were, I think, right? We're both watching it you know, at, at yeah. home. And if you're talking about one moment, one single moment, is Soriano down a point in, in, in sudden victory in, you know, in overtime, down a point with nine seconds left. They put a caution up. Um, you know, he needed a point, and he got the escape. And that's just sheer will you know, against an opponent like that to be able to get up, tie it, Send it to another overtime, and then you know, obviously, he got to take down and you know to win it. But you know, that moment is really what sports is all about. That moment where he he came needing a point, you know, needed to do one thing, you know, against a really really good opponent to do that. I, I'll be honest with you. I, looking back, twenty years of covering Rutgers, the only moment I can compare to just one moment is Jeremy Ito's field goal in two thousand six against Louisville. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, a good one. You're talking about one play, one moment, right. one play. Uh, you know, I've seen a bunch of them. You know, I've seen a lot of basketball moments, some great, you know, you know, women's basketball games during that, you know, 2007 run to the, you know, the Duke game stands out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Todd Frazier, you know, at Big East tournament, hitting hitting a home run over, you know, over to Cyclone. You know, a lot of really, really great moments. But, you know, that moment where Soriano needed that point. Um, you know, what was that like, James, when, you know, when, you know, you're covering it, you're, you're, you're at deadline, you see that moment. What was that like moment to cover? I mean, it was, it was incredible because, you know, you look at that bout, there are a lot of things that happen there that usually probably go against Rutgers. You know, I mean, I, I thought they were, were way too late, you know, warning Dayton fix for stalling, you know, John Smith, who was like, a, a, you know, it, John, for you know the average sports fan like John Smith, from Oklahoma State head coach, he's like the equivalent of Coach K, you know, in in, in basketball. I mean, he's working the officials. You know, it, Nick gets banged for the stall point early on. He's got to escape or it's over. You know, even the takedown. You know, and it, Oklahoma State is going to argue for the rest of time that Nick grabbed the headgear and the takedown should have been waved off and it should be a penalty point. But you know, doesn't really matter. That's the thing. You know. Instead of sitting around and dwelling on things that went against Rutgers, Rutgers now can say, "Hey, like our guy powered through all this stuff. He got the escape when he needed to." You know, but Dayton Fick, you know, 
Dayton Fix, I don't think, could have ridden Nick. Uh, that's what, that was my thought in the moment. I didn't think he was capable of riding him out for that nine seconds. But still, you know, if you get one mat return, you're pretty much done in that situation. So uh, just an incredible moment in the takedown. You know, you know, that was one of the big things, too, is that, you know, before they come on TV in the, every, at the start of every session and, and, and in the evening at the tournament, you know, when they're going to be on ESPN in prime time, the, they kind of they start riling up the crowd. They get the place loud, so when the ESPN cameras roll in, the place is going nuts. And they always announce the fan bases. You know, are there any Iowa fans? Any Oklahoma State fans? Any Cornell fans? Well, they announced Rutgers fans for the first time since I've been going to the tournament, and the place got pretty loud. You know, there was a big, big Rutgers contingent there, and I think that was a sign even before the, the national titles were won that you know Rutgers is now a prominent national program. You know, they're in the mix, you know, they're, there's, they're being recognized as one of the, the programs that's going to travel to this tournament every year and, and have a big fan base and be in the top five in attendance. So, you know, I think that getting national champions was great. Obviously, I mean, Rutgers doesn't really have many of them, and I think it's up for debate, you know, how many of them they really have from the past. But the fact that Rutgers now can say that they have a program that is nationally prominent is considered an elite program in the nation. And it, I don't see how that's going to change anytime soon, given the fact they're about to open this sparkly new facility. And the proof of concept of having two national champions is only going to make recruiting better, as, as well as the facility. I just think that it's, you know, they have a serious athletic program that they can hang their hat on now going forward. I was thinking about this, guys, and I, this is this is my wrestling knowledge. If that, if it was still tied, if he didn't get that takedown and it was still tied, this would to, to spruce it up. They should have allowed each wrestler to pick uh, a medieval weapon, like so. You know, Suriana <laughs> could go grab grab a, a halberd, and you know, you know, the other guy could grab a battle axe, and that would really that would really settle it pretty quickly. Okay. Kind of like. Uh, but, Kind of like Anchorman, where 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 uh, Steve exactly. Carell's character exactly had, like had Anchorman. An That's what I was looking how, for. How'd you get how, how'd you get a hand grenade? <laughs> That's not fair. You can't use a hand grenade. All right. Anyway, that, we, we digress a little bit. So Suriano wins dramatic fashion. Ashnell dominates. He goes in and does what he's done the entire year. We, you know, you wrote a great uh, story about this today, Sarge. You know, is is what he accomplished the undefeated national champion? the greatest single season in Rutgers history. It's kind of a fascinating uh, thing to debate because there have been some good ones. And, you know, looking through your list, I mean, you know, <laughs> what Alexi Lawless did, what Cappy Pondexter did. And, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be the one who sleeps on what Ray Rice did. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting debate. Do you think it is? Would you put him number one? I, I, I do. I did put him number one and only because, I mean, un, unbeaten, you know, and, and Kratz can speak to that in, in a little bit about just being unbeaten and, uh, you know, the road that he had to go through to, to win it. And, yeah, you know, we're talking about Nick Suriano's, you know, moment. You know, it's almost like a, you know, a, a tribute to, to Anthony that, that you know, it was so anticlimactic. I mean, we kind of thought yeah. that he was going to win, and he, it was almost ho-hum in some ways. Uh, you know, it's a tough match, but, you know, it was all, almost ho-hum. He wasn't going away. Um yeah, I, to, to be honest with you, and, and we're talking greatest seasons, I mean, not greatest career. Um, so, right. and, you know, as I pointed out, you know, Rutgers has been playing since, you know, the, you know, 1865, 1866 range. Um, so, you know, I'm clearly leaving guys out from the late 1800s, you know, the early 20th century for sure. Paul Robeson was a dominant figure. 
Uh, Homer Hazel, they named an award after after him. You know, a lot of really great performances. You know, Rutgers baseball played in the College World Series in 1950. You know, I go on and on and on. Uh, the right, reason right. why I went Alexei Lalas, number two, Sue Wish, number three, they were national players of the year. You know, in Lalas' okay. case, he was a consensus national player of the year. To me, you know, that trumps everything. You know, to be, to be a national player of the year, the best player in college that year. I'm not talking about, you know, career after that. Carly Lloyd certainly, you know, ha- has had a phenomenal international career. She was a notch below. She's on the list, but she wasn't, you know, was, uh, you know, she was big, big East uh, midfielder a year, you know, as a senior. Ironically, Glenn Crooks told me that her freshman year was even better than her senior year. Um, so, yeah, we're not talking about like, you know, w- w- you know, a-, a career. We're not talking about, you know, uh, how they did after uh, after Rutgers. We're talking about one year. And to me, Anthony Ashtell, you know, it's the best uh, season in, in Rutgers history. It's funny when you, when you broaden it out. Now, now I'd be interested to see what he accomplishes now, because you know when you're a four-time All-American, if he goes on to have some Olympic success, you, I mean, he could be the greatest. You know, look, look back on overall the greatest athlete right now. It is hard for me to put him there with what you know Carly and Alexa have accomplished in their professional careers beyond that. But there's you know, I mean, there's a chance that it could that he could get there. You know, I mean, well, that's, that's the great thing about what he's you know got ahead of him now. He's got his entire really the rest of his career ahead of him, you know? Well, to me, if you're talking greatest athlete, uh, Paul Robeson is going to be the greatest. I don't think you're ever going to top him. You know, I'm not, not only was, you know, was what a pioneer, you know, I mean, he played, you know, he, he lettered in four different sports. I mean, you know, we're talking baseball, right. track, um, you know, basketball, football. I mean, he, you know, to me, you're not, you're not going to get any better than, than Paul Robeson uh, for a career. Um, right. You know, you, you talk about Billy Austin, who was, who was an All-American lacrosse player and, and you know, and finished uh, sixth in the Heisman uh, Trophy voting. You know, you talk about those guys as the greatest a- a- athletes for a career, uh, certainly. Um, again, Anthony National, you know, takes a backseat to no one, four-time All-American as well. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, in, 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 you know, you count on one hand and have a couple of fingers left over uh, on, on the greatest all-time athletes, you know, and, and Anthony's definitely on, on it. There's a crash. What happens now with the wrestling program? Obviously, Nick's back for a year. Uh, you know, is this it's going to be hard to replicate this? You mentioned that you think that, you know, Rutgers now has a premier program. Is it built on the backs of these two guys or is there is there a hope for, you know, in another couple of years, maybe after Soriano leaves, that there'll be another champion? Well, Pope John, so state champion Jojo Aragona, who's, you know, Coming into the program, you know, this coming year, you know, he's a senior in high school. Uh, they, there's, they believe that he is a guy who's going to be capable of being a national championship contender. I mean, look, I, I think this is the issue. I think Rutgers fans have to understand that that these guys are extremely special, and, and just because it's worked out with Anthony and Nick doesn't mean it's going to work out with every guy. You know, there are plant, there are tons of national championship caliber wrestlers who never, never win a national title. I mean, it is so difficult to win this tournament and to get back to what you said, I mean, there are so many national champions who then try to become Olympic champions and they don't get, it doesn't happen for them. I mean, it's such a unforgiving, difficult sport and it can be frankly quite difficult to kind of guess how a guy who's dominant on one level is going to do when he moves to the next level or the next level. So look, I obviously got Soriano back. He's a national title contender. You have Joe Jaragona coming in. I think probably best case scenario with Rutgers would be he redshirts next year, but he's a guy who can be that 
type of of competitor down the road. But no, I think now it's 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 about recruiting. You know, you know the the goal that Rutgers has always had is to be a, a top ten team at nationals, which they finally have accomplished. Finished ninth this year. You know, the next step is to be a trophy team. So for non wrestling fans. The top four teams at the NCAA championships and the team score each year, they get a trophy. One, two, three, four. To get to that point, you have to be a program that sends eight to ten wrestlers to nationals every year. And you've got four or five of those guys who are legitimate All-American threats. Who were the top four this year, Cratch? Who were the who were the four? Oh, I State, Ohio State. Who else? It was I, all right, off the top of my head, I don't have the exact order. My sheet's over there, and I wasn't really paying much attention to the team score once Rutgers clinched the other night. But Penn State won. I think it was Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State, Oklahoma State. So, so they're not top three, three, yeah, three Big Ten teams. Was three the Big Ten teams. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, look, Rutgers finished ninth in the country and sixth in the Big Ten at Nationals. You know, this <laughs> is a, a loaded conference. So That's incredible. You know, no, it is. And, and the thing is, not only that, but they finished ahead of Nebraska by a half point. Nebraska beat them by 33 team points at the Big Ten Championships. A little bit of apples and oranges, but you kind of see what two, you know, two horses like this can accomplish. So I think it's going to, it's going to be that. It's going to be getting those guys. They sent six this year. And, you know, I'm going to count Nick Ravina because obviously he he was banged up, but I don't send help. They, they sent six this year. Two national champions, John Van Brill and Nick Gravina, were all American caliber wrestlers. Obviously, they didn't get it done. They both lost in the blood round at one point in their career. Um, they need to get to that point where they are sending eight to ten every year, and they have three or four or five guys who are definite all American candidates, and maybe one or two of them can can make a run to the finals each year. Uh, it's going to be difficult. Um, right. But I, I think that's the next step for the program. But look, they have recruited. They, they've been recruiting better. You know, I think they had some some misses in the past few years, but they've you know Aragona coming in. You know, I think upper weights is going to be very important. You know, the, the the top Big Ten programs have really have strong upper weights. That's something Rutgers has struggled with. But look, they've got the facility. They've got the two national champions. Anthony Ashnell is still going to be around the program. I think people have gotten a little bit carried away with the whole thing that, you know, yes, he's going to be part of the coaching staff next year. Very, very early in that stage. They don't know what his role is going to be. So the idea some people have that Anthony's going to go hit the road and be this ace recruiter, I don't think he's anywhere near that yet. He's still going to train. He's still got to finish his degree, obviously, his master's degree. So I think that's the next step for them. It's going to come down to recruiting. I do. I will say this, though. It's going to take a year or two, I think, for that kind of recruiting, you know, wave to catch, you know, and they get more guys. They're on some they, they've been on some top guys nationally, haven't really reeled them in yet, exception being Jojo. I think you might see them have more success going forward. The one thing I would look for, I think they're going to be a pretty attractive place for transfers in the next year or two. Would not shock me if they're pretty active on the transfer market this coming offseason, bringing two or three guys to plug the holes in that lineup, especially with the fact that, hey, you know, it worked out for Nick. Nick transferred from the best place, and obviously there's a lot that went into his decision, but he left Penn State and came to a place where people didn't think, kept on saying he wouldn't be capable of winning a national title because they wouldn't have enough, you know, talent in the room to, to you know, the iron sharpens iron thing. He did it now, so I do think you're going to see them be a 
a place that's pretty popular with transfers. And I think the recruiting is going to pick up once the, the sparkling new facility opens and they can say, hey, here are our two national champions. Here's our facility. You're going to wrestle in front of 6,000 people every week. I mean, season tickets are going to shoot through the roof, I think, because the Big Ten Championships being a Rutgers next year and just the excitement. Uh, it's going to become a place. I mean, they, they have an opportunity to do something really big here. And I think the next couple of years is going to be fascinating to see how that kind of happens and how that unfolds and whether they, they can make that next step and get to that upper echelon where they're competing for trophies. Yeah, I was going to say, I just committed, by the way, I'm verbally committing to, to Scott Cadell, uh, his, his program. Well, after, after wait, wait, I just want I mean, real I'm, quick. I'm, I'm signing. I'm committing. I'm, I, after hearing like, Absolutely. Real quick. I'm, I'm just forget Arsenal. It should be crash out recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> Get him on the road, coach. Very, very quickly. You know, I, I, wrote, I wrote this before the, the tournament. <laughs> it, it, and you guys would know better because you guys have been covering Rutgers much longer than I have. Is it just me or does the whole like Scott Goodell story get tremendously underplayed? I mean, I've written it. I mean, I wrote it a lot. I mean, they hired a high school coach. Yeah. After they almost cut the program, and a dozen years later, I mean, he he's the king king of the athletic department now. Well, I'll say this, okay, yeah. because Bob Okay gets a lot of credit. He was the one. He was the AD at the time. But the backstory, um, and a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Billy Yard, who, who was a former Giant, um, you know, he's a, a pretty big figure down in Somerset or Hunter County. Um, he, he, you know, he helped, uh, you know, kind of broker the deal. And uh, Kevin McConnell, deputy AD, you know, under Bob Mulcahy at the time, he was the one, you know, as, you know, as Politi knows, you know, you know, you know, currently this happens, you know, with, with Sarah Baumgartner, the current uh, deputy. A lot of times with the Olympic sports, it's not really the AD who's doing all the interviewing. It's the deputy and Kevin McConnell uh, should get a lot of credit for being the one who, who, who uh, you know, identifies Scott Goodell and, and, uh, you know, helped uh, bring him to uh, bring him to, to Rutgers. Right, right. And I was going to make the point that Jordan Burroughs tweeted out that if all the New Jersey champions stayed home, that's how good Rutgers would be. And I know it's a familiar refrain, but it is amazing how many wrestlers we produce in the state. We've got, we've got, we've got a pretty good track record with that. All right, any final thoughts? Or you want to move on to some other sports? Football. Is it, Let's do is, some football talk. Yeah, Rutgers is a football school, I think, right? No? All right. Oh, yeah. So so if, you, if you're done with listening about the good news, let's talk about football. <laughs> I can't. Come on. It's a joke. Um, so what? Uh, you've been at spring practice. I mean, how does the team look? First, first, that's my first question. What's so, yeah. what so funny? That's a We've had two open practice. Yeah. Right, and we uh, right. Yeah, we've had minutes of practice. They've stretched. The stretching has been. Do they look limber? Do they look like they're yeah? Do they yeah, have? Yeah, I mean, we we, we, we we kid, and and this isn't about you know because no, fans don't want to hear about our, our complaints about <laughs> you know practice availability and all that type of stuff. But I mean, you know, you ask the question, so you know how do they look? And you could ask me this, you know, come mid August as well. I don't know. I mean, you know, we're gonna we'll watch the, you know the, the scarlet white game. There's an open practice you know coming up on Saturday, but you know I can't tell you how they look. You know, yeah, um, right. and and really, you know, at, you know, at the end of the day, I've covered enough spring practices to, to tell you that most of its fundamentals. They're leaving out most of you know the, the top guys anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, right. We've talked yeah. about Arsikowski, you know, ad nauseum. You know, really. 
you know, he's probably going to win the job. Um, you know, I guess the competition really is going to be, begin in earnest in, in, in August, but yeah, I'd be, I, I'd be surprised if he didn't win the job. Um, it won't be handed to him, but certainly, you know, he, he, you know, he, he'll have a leg up, you know, come, come summer. Um, and, you know, th- you know, we're going to ask the question come, come, come August, you know, how does he look then? And no, it really, no one's going to know until, until, you know, the opener, maybe even the Boston College game, the, se- the second week, you're not going to have a comfort level in, 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 you know, whether or not, uh, Arsikowski has, has cleared the hurdle and, and, and kind of figured it out. And maybe the light bulb, uh, you know, has come on for him until really a couple of games into the season. So, yeah, that's going to be the biggest right. question mark between, you know, spring football, training camp, you know, and certainly going into the year. Well, yeah. And, uh, well, I will say this, though. The biggest, that's the biggest question mark. But number two, then, has got to be the offensive line now. I mean, they needed to get they needed to get a kid to plug that hole off the, you know, and the, and the one, their biggest target, right? We, we can agree on that. The Anderson kid picked Syracuse. So, I mean, what, you know, are we back at the point now where they're patching – they're gonna have to patch that patch those holes in the line with people in the program. Are they gonna be able to do it? I mean, I I, I stand by what I said when we talked our last podcast for spring practice. The offensive and defensive lines were massive issues last year. They've regressed right. in both areas. Yep. So you know, they got two scholarship spots left. Uh, it's we're taping this on March twenty fifth. The as far as I understand, the national letter of intent deadline is April one. So guy you know high school kids have to sign the letter and be in the class by april 1 so we'll see how many they've got left after that obviously you're gonna have another wave of of transfer situations come open up you know after spring ball but again like how good are those guys i mean if guys are deciding to transfer after they have been unable to get win jobs in spring practice at their schools you know that 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 to me is a second tier you know, transfer market, you know, so, you know, we'll see, you know, waivers. It's just, I think it's going to be difficult for them. You know, they've got some guys that they, they feel have potential, but we have to see them deliver on this potential. And it's a new offensive line coach. It's a new, you know, fundamentals, new schematics, new technique. It's going to be a learning curve. So, yeah, I think not getting Anderson a major swing and a miss for Rutgers. You know, uh, for a guy who says he wants to play at home and, you know, as Todrick wrote when he committed Syracuse, <laughs> it's a heck of a lot closer to home at Rutgers than it is up in Syracuse. <laughs> I, I'll say this, and we talked about kind of recruiting on the last podcast, and, I, you know, I think it boils down to development. You know, whether or not, you know, Nick Crimmon, who's played a lot of games, whether or not he could uh, turn into a really good, solid uh, right guard, whether or not uh, Kamal Seymour, who, who's played a lot of games, will probably have thirty something games under his belt by time. You know, by the time the season begins, I mean, yeah, he is. You know, he's entrenched at right tackle. Uh, can he develop into a solid guy? Uh, Mike Mayetti, same thing. You you think that he, he's pretty solid at center, uh, left guard, uh, Vineski. You know, whether or not he can, you know, win that job, um, and and then you know, left tackle, obviously, you know, Raquan O'Neal. You know, can he be the guy? You know, I mean, you know, Tariq Cole, you know, has started a lot of games. You know, I don't think he had a great senior year. Can Raekwon O'Neal, can he be better? So, really, to me, recruiting, I get it. You know, I get a lot, you know, but I don't know if, you know, either. I don't know if he would have, you know, been, you know, the starter. I don't know if he would have beaten out Kamal Seymour. So, to me, it's going to be about developing, you know, the guys that they have right now. I will say this. I think not getting Anderson, there's a lot more pressure on, uh, junior college transfer tackle Amari Cooper, who 
seemed like he was kind of dinged up the first week of spring ball. You know, if he doesn't start, then I think the questions would be, you know, why did Chris Ash bring him in? You know, like they really need him to, to be in the lineup and be a Big Ten football player now. Right. Basketball wrap up. Let's do that really quick. Uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement, and then kind of a big thud. It's hard to argue, hard to say anything. The, the season did not end well for the Hoops team. Um, not not saying it wasn't a great, a good season, a good step forward, but it had potential to be something better than it was when you when you lose those last three games and have it off off another off the court issue with the with the player getting arrested. Not what you want. Yeah, I, th- I think they hit the wall, and that's probably the bigger yeah. question yeah. that you have going forward. You know, it's one thing, you know, uh, you know, Mathis and Ron Harper, a couple of those guys. Harper was playing pretty well toward the end. But, you know, you know, a couple of these guys, a couple of the freshmen who kind of hit the wall, um, you know, you can understand it. You know, first time they've actually, you know, had that jump of 30 games in, in, you know, in the season. I get it. You know, Geo Baker was, was a shell of himself over the last couple of games. Uh, Steve Peichel attributed it to, you know, playing out of position, being asked to do a lot more, being le- the focus of the game plan every week. Um but it's something that they're going to have to address because, you know, Steve Peichel likes to play depth and, and you know, and, and, and they were as deep as they, they, they've been. Um, and, you know, so, but Gio Baker played a lot of minutes and you can kind of understand that. But certainly that's going to be something that they need to address because, you know, they, they were, you know, not the same team over the final three games. I was certainly I was in Chicago, um, you know, with the uh, Nebraska game. You know, they, they really dominated most of that game until like the final four or five minutes of the game where, you know, they just totally ran out of gas. And, you know, that to me was kind of difficult to explain. Um, again, I think we've talked about it going forward. The future is bright. But, you know, let's put it in perspective, 14 and 18. You know, you are what your, your, your record is. And, you know, they had a goal of getting out of the, the basement of the, big, of the Big Ten. They did that. They had another goal of going 500. They did not do that. Um, you know, there's some questions going forward before we anoint, you know, Steve Peichel as the guy who's going to get it done. Uh, you know, I, I think he needs to do it. You know, I think he needs to, you know, start winning with his own players and recruiting. Um, I think recruiting is going to be uh, is already picked up. But, you know, there's going to be more expectations on Steve Peichel uh, in year four than there's ever been. Um, and, you know, the, the, like, like I said, the big question is going to be whether or not they can actually you know, win the games that they're supposed to and, and really play, start peaking toward the end of the year, like most of the big, the best, uh, you know, Big Ten teams do. Absolutely. All right, guys, I think we covered it. Anything else? Any final thoughts? Uh, no, real quick, uh, kind of very under the radar, uh, softball team, new head coach Kristen Butler, they got beat up at Northwestern over the weekend. Their first Big Ten series got swept, but they're 15 and 14. They only won 19 games last year. And they've got half the season basically left to go. So just they've uh, there's a lot of people, you know, inside the athletic department are very, very excited about the hire they made. You know, it's kind of no ties to New Jersey. You know, she coached at uh, Toledo. I hope I got that right. Uh, No. Yeah, it was Toledo. You know, she had some success there. And it seems like, you know, they they're moving in the right direction. Softball, the new the new Field hockey, right? Yeah, is that what we're doing? It here? Could be. I mean, cr- right. cr- a crash. He might. This might be his last podcast. He might be the agent to Kristen uh, Butler and Scott Cadell at the end. You know, <laughs> you know, going to next week because be a, be a sound career move. You know, maybe you can get if you can get if you can get Ashnall too. You get all three. You have you've got like a really solid early stable of uh, you know that's it's uh, a good idea. Was it like it. you know seven percent? Right. Uh, he's going to get seven percent of Scott Cadell's yeah. future sure. salary earnings. 
Hey, look, it was good working with you, James. Good luck in your new endeavor. <laughs> I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs> miss you guys. By then, by, the, by then, maybe we'll have the podcast name. All right. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. A huge weekend for Rutgers Athletics. Uh, kind of a slow period coming in, but we'll still be here to monitor it all and getting ready for football season. We'll be around the corner sooner than you think, I hope. <laughs> Steve Pulitti signing off for, for Sarge and Cratch. Thanks for listening.